0: Grab your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to cover a lot of ground today, all the way from chapter 1, verse 11, to chapter 2, verse 10. In fact, we could go all the way to the end of chapter 2, because what Paul says in Galatians one ten that he's not a man-pleaser, he's not seeking the approval of man, that causes him, that verse, to kind of spring uh, forth in this long declaration that he only cares about what Jesus thinks about him, and he's not out to please mankind. And all of chapter 1, verse 11, all the way to the end of chapter 2, is him unpacking what that means. So Galatians chapter 1, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for your great love. You can't keep yourself away from sinners. It has been your eternal plan to send your Son. He would live the life that we could never live. He would die the death that we all deserve. He would be raised from the dead. That's all part of your plan. It happened because you wanted to draw sinners and gather them around your throne where they would glorify you and enjoy you forever. And we thank you for that, God. Now we ask you, in line with David in Psalm 43, would you send out your light and your truth? Let them lead us to the altar of God. To God, our exceeding joy. Jesus is our exceeding joy, and we declare that today, Father. May the Spirit come and make it more alive and more of a reality in our hearts today. May we see Jesus and behold him and be starstruck with him today. We ask in his name, by the power of the Spirit, for your glory. Amen. I said two weeks ago that we are glory thieves because we're sinners. We want the glory that's only due God. And that's evidence in our life because oftentimes we want the focus to be on us. We want to be in the spotlight. We want people to notice us. We are glory thieves. And one of the ways that that manifests itself in our lives is when we name drop. Do you know what name-dropping is? Name-dropping is where you drop the name of a famous person in a conversation that you're having with someone else in order to impress the people that you're talking with. Name-dropping is where you drop the name of a famous person in a conversation in order to imply that you are on familiar terms with said famous person. It's intended as a means of self-promotion, to make us look good, to have people look at us and think, wow, we're glory thieves. We've all done this. We've all name-dropped. You're talking with someone, and you drop some famous person's name into the conversation in order to impress them. You talk about how you know them, or how you met them, or how you saw them. Sadly, though, it never impresses anyone, does it? We all love to name drop, but we can smell it 10 miles away when somebody else does it. And we hate it. We love to name drop, but we can't stand it when other people do it. So in the vein of Paul boasting, as he does in 2 Corinthians, he boasts to the Corinthian church. He doesn't want to boast. They value boasting. But he says, Permit me to boast here, even though he doesn't want to do that. In the vein of Paul boasting to the Corinthians, in that same vein, will you allow me to name drop for a moment? I really, honestly, truly don't want to do this. I hate this. I will embarrass myself and name drop this morning to make my point. Please bear with me. Do not be impressed, okay? And some of you won't be impressed, and I'm okay with that. Don't be impressed with what I'm about to do. But this is what name dropping looks like. I worked in Hollywood in the lighting industry with my father-in-law. I've met famous actors and musicians through that process. I've had conversations with Robin Williams who has a New sitcom out on TV. I've eaten dinner with Jason Patrick and Giovanni Ribisi. Giovanni Ribisi also has a new sitcom coming out. Jason Patrick. For any of you born in the 80s, this is Michael from The Lost Boys. I sat across a table. Our plates were touching from a guy in The Lost Boys. I could have grabbed a green bean off his plate. I've worked with and was an extra in a movie and had conversations on the set with Ben Stiller. Heather and I were on a plane, and as we waited for our luggage when we landed in DFW, we had a lengthy conversation with Perry Gilpin, who played Roz in the sitcom Frasier. You remember her? Sweet lady, Christian, we talked about the Lord. I've been in the same car with Pamela Anderson. If you remember her, a little more popular back in the day. Here I am, there's a driver, I'm in shotgun. Pamela Anderson's in the back right here, and right behind me is her bodyguard. Now, I was a jerk to her. I didn't even say hello. I could have at least said hello, but I was like, I don't care who you are. If you're some famous actress, I'm not even going to look at you, talk to you, acknowledge you. I should have talked to her about Jesus, but I've been in the same car with her. Little skinny redneck boy from Oklahoma in the car with a famous actress. I've worked with Danny DeVito David Spade, Martin Sheen, Drew Carey, Joey Ramone of the Ramones, if you know him, if you like them, and Lindsay Lohan. I set around a fire in a house with Faith Hill and Tim McGraw working on one of their music videos. I've done lighting for and hung out with musicians like Ben Folds, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, whatever he's called now, Slash from Guns N' Roses, Busta Rhymes, Ice Tea, Dr. Dre. In Starbucks, I've made countless drinks for famous people. I know famous Christian celebrities, the Christian band The Afters. Josh Havens used to work with him at Starbucks. He bought my kitchen table uh, from me, probably still has it. He's a good friend. We just sang the song Wonderful Cross. One of the guys that wrote the chorus to that song is Jesse Reeves, who I went to college with. Our bands played out together around DFW. He made it as a musician. I just play guitar in my living room now. That is name-dropping. If you've met someone famous, you've done it, and it stinks. And yet we as glory thieves love to do this. We love to try and impress people because we want them to like us. We want them to think, oh, you're awesome, and it stinks. Can we please stop name-dropping? The Apostle Paul hated name-dropping. We saw last week in Galatians 1.10 that he was not a people-pleaser. He was not out to impress people. He could care less about what people thought of him. How did Paul view other human beings? He says in 2 Corinthians 5.16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. He means when I look at someone, I don't care who they are, how famous they are, what they've done. I don't see them as that. I just see them... As a broken, rebellious sinner who desperately needs the Redeemer named Jesus Christ. Paul didn't care if you were a famous musician, actor, politician. You were just like the regular guy down the street. What Paul will teach us today is this. Be overwhelmed that you know Jesus Be flabbergasted that you, Christian, know the eternal Son of God. You see, Paul has never gotten over the truth that he knows Jesus. If Paul is going to name drop, he's going to name drop the name above all names. If he's going to try to impress people, it will be by talking about Jesus. If Paul is going to drop names, he's going to drop the name of Jesus. Now, he will, of course, drop a few famous apostles' names in today's passage. You you can't miss that he does that. But Paul does not do it to impress the Galatian churches. He names name drops in order to explain why he preaches the real gospel. He does it to show that the gospel that he preaches is the exact same gospel that was preached by Peter, James, and John. Now, the Judaizers, we remember, had entered the Galatian churches and were saying that Paul did not preach the real gospel. They thought that he was some rogue apostle who came up with this very easy-to-believe gospel. Just repent of your sins and trust in Jesus, and that's it. The Judaizers said, no, you can do that. But after they do that, these Gentile believers must come back under the Mosaic law. They must be circumcised and adhere to the ceremonial and civil aspects of the Mosaic law. So Paul counters them by showing that he is connected with the historic, apostolic gospel that was preached by other apostles. Look at verse 11. Hear the word of the Lord. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Paul's gospel did not come from any man but through a revelation. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who revealed himself to Paul on the Damascus road in Acts chapter 9. No one taught Paul the gospel. Of course, he was ripe for the gospel because he was a Pharisee. He was a rabbi. He, was a, he had a Ph.D. in the Old Testament, if you will. He knew the scriptures pointing to the Messiah. So he was ripe for the gospel, but no one set him down and explained it. Him. Jesus did that through divine revelation, through a vision. Paul got the gospel straight from Jesus. It's hard to argue with that. Prior to his conversion, Paul was making a name for himself in Judaism. He persecuted the church violently, he tried to destroy the church through people in prison. He was increasing in knowledge. He was very zealous for the Mosaic law that the Judaizers were so gung ho about. Paul was gaining in popularity in the Jewish world. He was probably about to ink a book deal. He was probably on the verge of being one of the main speakers at some Jewish conference. He was making a name for himself. People were hearing about him. Keep your eye on this guy. He's going places in the Jewish world. But then something happened. Look at verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus." Paul was well on his way to becoming one of the premier rabbis of his day when grace got a hold of him. God in his sovereignty had determined in eternity past that Paul would be his chosen instrument in taking the gospel to the Gentile world. And it was all due because of God's grace. It was God's grace, his unmerited favor that called Paul, revealed Jesus to him on the Damascus road, and then commissioned him to preach the gospel to the Gentile world. So Paul is saying here, I have no reason to boast whatsoever. I have no reason to brag or talk about how awesome I am. He's saying, it was all God's grace. It was God's grace that intervened in my life on that day on the Damascus Road. Everything about Paul was tied up with the grace of God in his life. He was who he was because of grace. And that's what he says in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. There's a lesson for us to learn. Think about it. You are who you are today because of the grace of God in your life. But what happened after Paul saw Jesus on the Damascus Road and was converted? What happened to the guy who was quickly making a name for himself in Judaism? What happened to one of the most popular rabbis of the day? Was he thrust into the Christian spotlight? Because that's what we do today, don't we? Some famous actor, musician, athlete becomes a Christian. And what do we do? They've got a book deal just like that. We want to hear them talk on Christian radio sadly when there's Christians who've been serving in a small church somewhere for 60 years, those are the people I want to talk to what do we do when famous people become Christians we throw them in the spotlight Ooh, what happened to Paul Was he thrust into the Christian spotlight? Was he given a book deal by Crossway Books? Was he scheduled to speak alongside John Piper at the next Passion Conference? No, Paul did not consult with anyone. He did not go up to Jerusalem, he says, to meet all the big-time apostles. No, he went away to Arabia for a while and then to Damascus. He saw Jesus and he was satisfied with that. He went from being a somebody. The next big thing in Judaism... To laying low and probably cleaning toilets in his local church. And serving and listening to little kids recite verses at Awana on Wednesday night. In other words, Paul was not out to make a name for himself. How does the next big thing in Judaism leave all that and just lay low? It was Jesus. Paul saw Jesus. Paul learned that he didn't have to try and perform for God. Paul learned that he had been credited with the perfect righteousness of Jesus. Paul learned that he had the full affection of the holy triune God of the universe. Paul knew that he was blameless in God's eyes because of Jesus. Paul knew that he had God's favor, so he didn't need anybody else's. Paul was content in knowing that he had God's favor. He didn't have to try and win man's favor. If Paul would have given a rare interview back then by some Christian radio station, and they asked him, what advice would you give to Christians? I think Paul would have said, be overwhelmed that you know Jesus. See, it doesn't matter If people know who you are, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand friends on Facebook or if you've met some famous person. If you know Jesus, be overwhelmed with that. If you want to name drop, talk about Jesus. See, here's our problem. As sinners, we're glory thieves and we live in fear of anonymity that I'm going to go through this whole life and nobody's going to know anything about me. Nobody's going to talk about me on Twitter or Facebook. I'm never going to make the paper. We live with the fear of anonymity. We're going to go through this life and nobody's going to know who we are. We're not going to be famous. And pastors probably struggle with this more than anyone because you look around and a friend you go to seminary with is, is the next big thing. And here you are working in a church of 50 people in the backwoods of Wherever. We struggle with this. We want to be known. We want people to know us. Talk about us. Paul saw Jesus and he laid low for three years. Just serving in the local church. He taught and preached on the side, but he just served in the local church for th- three years. He wasn't trying to be known See, we like to think that everything in the book of Acts just happens, boom, boom, boom. But there's a lot of downtime. If 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 Luke recorded everything that he writes about in Acts, the book would be way too big for us to carry around, okay? Something's happened and then years go by. That happened to Paul. He got saved and then he went and he laid low and he served in the local church for three years. He did not embark on a mission to become famous or to be known by people, look at verse 18. Then, after three years, three years of cleaning toilets, three years of vacuuming and picking up trash and serving in awana, helping out with the youth group, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. that's Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. After three years of serving in the local church and probably preaching and teaching some, Paul finally, after three years, went to see the apostle Peter in Jerusalem. He says, I stayed 15 days and I saw none of the other famous, well-known apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Then he said, I went into Syria and Cilicia and went into hiding. At this point, word was spreading that Paul had become a Christian. People were talking about him. But he says, I wasn't known in any of the churches. They were just hearing about me. But what Paul says in verse 24 is crucial to understand, to get an insight into his mind. He says in verse 24, and they glorified God because of me. Paul's purpose in life was to bring glory to Jesus. He was not out to make a name for himself. He was not trying to steal God's glory. Paul was not lining up speaking gigs at churches where he could sell his books and sign autographs in the lobby after the service. He just rejoiced that people were glorifying God because of the grace of God in his life. Now look at chapter 2, verses 1-2. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential... I said before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. Paul then waited 14 years before he went to Jerusalem. See what's happening here? He spent 14 years serving and preaching, teaching, but he wasn't trying to get book deals. He wasn't trying to be the next R.C. Sproul. He wasn't trying to get in line with the must-have conference speakers In fact, the whole reason he even went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, he says because of a revelation in verse 2, because Jesus in a vision told Paul to go to Jerusalem and talk about the gospel with the Jerusalem leaders. That's the whole reason he went. because Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. And when Jesus tells you to go to Jerusalem, what do you do? You go to Jerusalem. How does Paul describe the Jerusalem leaders, though? Verse 2 says, those who seemed influential. Because Paul had seen Jesus, He wasn't starstruck when he arrived. Paul didn't show up and see the apostle Peter and turn and look at his friends Barnabas and Titus who were with him and say, OMG, it's Peter. He walked with Jesus for three years. He walked on water for a little bit and Jesus was right there. He preached to thousands at Pentecost. Hey, Peter, will you sign my Bible? Can I take a picture with you? Titus, go upload this picture to Facebook and make sure you tag Peter in it. Paul was not starstruck. He says he met with some leaders who seemed influential. Paul went there to make sure he's preaching the right gospel. They talked about it. I wanted to make sure he hadn't deviated in any way because this is what the Judaizers were saying. They were telling the Galatians, Paul's preaching a different gospel. This is the whole reason he's telling them the Galatians, this story here. It's to let him know, I went up to Jerusalem. And those who seemed influential, Peter, James, John, they said, yes, you're preaching the gospel. It appears that even some of these Judaizers had invaded the church in Jerusalem as well. Look at verse 3. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, that's probably the Judaizers, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. To prove to the Galatians that he was preaching the true gospel, Paul told them, when we showed up in Jerusalem, Titus, who's Greek, who'd never been circumcised, when we showed up in Jerusalem, the leaders there did not say, Titus, we got some business to do here. If circumcision was required for Gentile believers... Like the Judaizers were claiming, Paul is saying, then certainly, if that's true, the Jerusalem council would have had Titus circumcised when he showed up in Jerusalem. But he didn't, and he wasn't. There are even Judaizers in these meetings posing as believers, coming in to spy out the freedom that these Gentile believers have in Jesus Christ. And Paul says they did it to trap us. But he said they did not prevail. We didn't budge for a moment. The gospel stayed true. The gospel is that we don't have to do anything to gain or maintain favor with God. Jesus did it all. And because Jesus did it all, Paul didn't care who people were, how much clout they had, how popular they were, any of that. None of that impressed him. Paul was overwhelmed with Jesus, and that caused him to see people as they were, broken, rebellious sinners who desperately needed the great Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Now, notice again that Paul doesn't get worked up over getting to meet with the famous apostles. Okay, Look at verse 6. And from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. and they to the circumcised, only they asked us to remember the poor the very thing I was eager to do. Notice Paul doesn't tell the Galatians, I went to Jerusalem and I got to go backstage. I got to meet Peter and James and all the apostles. They they signed my Bible and I took pictures with each one. Paul's not interested in name dropping. He just describes them two more times. This is two more times as those who seemed to be influential. Now, Paul's not knocking them. He knows that Jesus handpicked these men to walk with him for three years. Paul's not jealous that they got to walk with Jesus while he was on the earth. And he's an apostle who kind of comes in at the last minute. He's not jealous of any of that. Paul knows that James and John and Peter, these Jerusalem leaders, were crucial to the church advancing in Jerusalem. He's not knocking them at all. He respects them. He honors them, Paul's just not starstruck by them. There's no hero worship happening here. Paul's not swooning like a teenage girl at a One Direction concert or swooning like teenage girls did in 1964 when the Beatles visited America. It didn't matter who people were to Paul. It made no difference to him because as he says here, who they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Do you understand what this means, Grace? It means that you are just as important. And it means that God is looking at you with the same affection and love that he shows to the John MacArthur's, the Billy Graham's, the Alistair Begg's, the Michael Horton's, the R.C. Sproul's of this world. You name the person. There's no need to get worked up over meeting famous people, even famous Christian people. There's no need to get worked up. Listen, I was in an elevator once with R.C. Sproul. Me, R.C., and his wife, Vespa. That's a cool name. And I wanted to say something. But I don't like hero worship. And I'm not godly in hating that because then I sinfully go the opposite way and say I'm not even going to talk to you. But I suspected that R.C. Sproul wouldn't appreciate it either. I don't think he would appreciate it if I was starstruck. So I didn't say anything to him. So what do you, what do you say to R.C. Sproul anyway? Hey, I'm a Calvinist too. <laughs> that might have made him happy. I could have thanked him for the impact that his ministry has had on my life, but in the end, he's just a man like me. Who he is makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. God is working through his ministry just as much as he's working through ours here at Grace. Okay, Your pastors don't have to be famous. Your pastors don't have to write books. God is working through us just like he's working through the ministries of R.C. Sproul and John Piper and John MacArthur. You know, God is doing things here at Grace that should excite us. He shows no partiality. He works through each expression of the local church to extend his kingdom into this world. We don't have to be famous. People don't have to know about Grace Baptist Church, Santa Maria, for us to do anything in this world. He is working right now. There's no need to get worked up because we know somebody famous or because Grace Baptist Church is Listed as one of the fastest growing churches in America. We're not, by the way. <laughs> I just got the magazine last week, and yeah, we're not on that list. You want to know what the cure for hero worship is? You want to know what the cure for name dropping is? Do You want to know what the cure for being starstruck is? Be overwhelmed that you know Jesus. That seems to be the heartbeat of Paul. Paul says that those who seemed influential added nothing to his gospel. The Jerusalem leaders recognized that Paul was called to take the gospel to the Gentiles and Peter was called to take the gospel to the Jews. But it was the same God that worked through both Men. It didn't matter who had more likes on their official Facebook page. It didn't matter if Peter had written six more books than Paul. It didn't matter if Paul was speaking at the Ligonier National Conference. None of that mattered. It was God working through each man as he preached the gospel. They were finite men being used by the infinite God of the universe. Paul's armpits stunk just as bad as Peter's. Peter had bed breath when he woke up in the morning just as much as Paul. But it was God working through both men. And that is what mattered. But Paul's not ready to get off his soapbox yet. Neither am I. So let's look at verse 9. And when James and Cephas, that's Peter, and John who seemed to be pillars, when they perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Well, apparently, Paul, you're not reading Christianity today, because you know who these guys are? Peter John, James, apparently Paul wasn't following the right people on Twitter. Apparently Paul wasn't reading the right blogs and listening to the right podcasts. Otherwise, he would have known that James and John and Peter were a pretty big deal. Well, of course Paul knew who they were. How does he describe them? He says, those who seemed to be pillars. Obviously, Paul knew them. He'd already gone up to Jerusalem and hung out with Peter for 15 days. He knew they had some authority, and that they were influential in the church, but Paul is just not caught up in being starstruck. When these guys, who seem to be pillars, who seem to be very important people, when they saw that God's grace came to Paul, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. In other words, there was gospel camaraderie happening here, and this is good. We need this today. We need more gospel camaraderie. Our churches and denominations, what we don't need, though, is being starstruck by Christian celebrities. And we definitely don't need to be starstruck by Hollywood celebrities. Who cares if we know some famous actor? Who cares if we get a bit part in some movie, or if we're on a TV show? Who cares if we know or have met some famous musician? Listen, none of the famous people that I have ever met in my life have done anything to make me right with a holy God. That's my biggest problem when I was born, as I was an enemy of the living God. None of those famous people have done anything to make me right. Only one person has, and his name is Jesus. And that's why I am overwhelmed that I know him. Because when I stand before God on that day, there's only one person that I'm looking to and saying, I'm with him. I'm not going to call up some famous person and say, did you know I, I met this person once, God? Only Jesus has made me right with a holy God. And that's why I am starstruck by him we don't need to be starstruck by Christian celebrities, musicians, pastors. They are just sinners like us. God is working through us just as much as he is working through them. God shows no partiality. Listen, one of my heroes is John Piper. I've never met him. I have the highest esteem for the man. He has helped me tremendously To understand the Bible. I'm indebted to him. But I've never met him. I see him every year at the pastor's conference. That he puts on. That Desiring God puts on. I've been the past nine years. Only missing once. Because Heather gave birth to our fifth child. Our second girl that we named Piper. We named her after him. I've only missed one conference in the last nine years. To have a baby that we named after him. I respect the man deeply, but I've never gone up to get his autograph or take a picture with him. Lots of people do, some of my friends have, but I haven't. Not to make me look good, okay? Because if he showed up here today and I saw him sitting out there, I'm sure I'd be a little nervous. I'm not trying to be prideful here about this, but he's just a man that God is working through. Jesus is infinitely better. It's one thing to know Piper, John Piper. It's a whole different thing to know Jesus. We need gospel camaraderie, like what was happening with Peter, Titus, and Barnabas, and James, and John. If John Piper wanted to link arms and ministry with us, you betcha that's what the Jerusalem leaders did with Paul. They said, you go to the Gentiles, Paul, we'll go to the Jews. Just don't forget To remember the poor. And Paul says, I was very eager to do that. Paul knew that helping the poor was a part of the gospel. Paul knew the Old Testament. He loved it. It's full of passage after passage after passage. If you read through it, you'll be surprised how much God says, care for the poor, the needy, the widow, the sojourner. Paul knew that. And to think that the Judaizers were saying, Paul, you're wanting to do away with the law. No, Paul said, the law drove me to Jesus, and Jesus drove me back to the law to obey it. So Paul knew this was a part of the gospel, helping the poor. And that's why we have deacons here. That's why we have the deacon fund. Because we want to help members and regular attenders here who have financial need. It's a part of the gospel to help the poor. And Paul says, that was the very thing that I was eager to do. A proper understanding of the gospel will lead to gospel camaraderie. A proper understanding of the gospel will lead to helping the poor. A proper understanding of the gospel will dispel hero worship. A proper understanding of the gospel will dispel the fear of man. A proper understanding of the gospel will dispel the approval of man that we all crave so desperately. A proper understanding of the gospel will dispel an unhealthy sense of being star-struck. A proper understanding of the gospel will cause you to be overwhelmed that you know Jesus. Listen, our greatest fear is anonymity, to live this life and think, nobody knew who I was outside my own house. We all want to be known. We all want to be famous. We all like it when somebody likes something that we say on Facebook. We all like it when some famous person follows us on Twitter, and we get excited. And then you go look, and you see that they're following 2.1 million people, so you're probably not that significant to them. We want to be known. We that? say, I don't want to live this life, and nobody knows who I am. The fear of anonymity. Paul laid low for three years and 14 years just serving in the local church, giving his life away in the local church. Saying no to the book deals, no to the Christian radio interview, no to speaking at the conferences. Why? Because he was overwhelmed that he knew Jesus. And the only way that we'll get over the fear of anonymity is when we remember that we know and we are known by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we were singing that you're beautiful. But we also, we're singing how the things of this world charm us most. How gracious and merciful you are to us when we love the things of this world, all the shiny, sparkly, glittery things that we ooh and awe ah over, and yet your Son is standing there in radiant glory an expression of the triune God and we turn away because we like finite human beings and because we crave their approval and we have your approval if we're your sons and daughters. How odd that must strike angels. You're sovereign. You're not startled by it, but I know it breaks your heart. Forgive us. Open our eyes to see how beautiful your son is. May we be starstruck by him. May we be mesmerized by him. May we be flabbergasted that he would call us his own. Oh God, help us to be overwhelmed that we know Jesus. We ask this in his name for his glory. Amen.